Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. <clears throat> Happy Monday. Those that are joining us live. For those that are joining at any time, thanks so much for being here. We've been talking about this concept of humility and what it is and how it is the, it's really the mechanism that releases our superpower, if we understand it. If we don't, we think it's like being meek. And yesterday we started talking about what it's like to give it to other people and how giving it to other people really only increases our own power. It's a total flip in how the material works. And it's always like this, by the way. You should all, we should always remember that a lot of what feels familiar to us is actually familiar because it is the material world and its teachings. And in many cases, the wisdom that feels unfamiliar is the wisdom that's going to lead to exponential growth. And, and this, you see this all the time, regardless of the depth of it, you see this all the time. There's a reason why some people are accomplishing exponentially more than others. It's because they're not playing by conventional ways of thinking. You can't be exceptional and think conventionally just not how it works so that applies in everything but in particular applies to spiritual and material the stuff that we feel that is familiar to us many times is because that's the world around us that's not the world inside us so yesterday we spoke about this idea of really gaining the power back from those who never empowered us by empowering them it doesn't mean you have to say things or do things or make it weird. Just by seeing it takes you far. And what I want to do for the next few days here, maybe even culminate, I think, by the end of the week with Hanukkah, with God's help, is really toggle between these three concepts. So if you've been joining, if you're joining us now for the first time or you haven't been back in a while, welcome back. There's three concepts in front of us. It's a board that we're looking at. And we've been looking at this board for a little bit. And the board has be, do, and have. The essence of who I am, the actions that I do, and the impact. And we've been talking about how we've been talking about how depending on where I focus on that board, that continuum in life, that will change how I feel, and that will change ultimately what I think and how I act. Okay, so where we went last week, and I want to shift off it a little bit. We'll get back to it, but I want to shift off a little bit. Is that when you just let the world come at us, it will usually move us into a world of my impact, especially if you've been somewhat successful in life. If you've always felt like you were misplaced in life, believe it or not, you are not as um, subject to this. This is a total flip. And you see this all the time. People that have achieved some level of success in life, they're even more at risk for this impact how do other people see me feeling? Because they never really had it at that where they didn't have that, right? You see this sometimes. People... I don't know what that was, but um, we're back. Um, you see this right now for people that have achieved. Um, some success growing up, right? You can see this with, with, with kids even, right? People that are, there's success in schools, 
right? Generally, they fit into three or four categories. Uh, looks, grades, coolness, and athleticism, let's say. Let's just for general, there's, there's 100 more, but let me just use those four, okay? People that are, the, the good-looking kids usually get more attention. Athletic kids get usually more attention. Smart kids get usually more attention. And kids that have sort of figured out what cool is, right? Now, if you if you just take that as an example and just, just watch, many times kids that have achieved a certain level of that early on in life, if they're not in an environment of humility, right, they get addicted in a way to the attention. They never saw, they never had it without. I, I was once sitting, I was in Toronto once um, for Shabbat. I remember sitting um, at, a, at, a, at a Shabbat lunch. And there was a guy there that was a, a football coach. And he was explaining to me the challenges of football players, college football players right? Not professionals, they're college. So you take a guy who's a college football player, like in a big school, right? So chances are this kid was really good and was a really good athlete. So the kid grew up and before he can even, his brain even like sort of formulates, right? He's got all this attention from his, from his athleticism that goes through his high school years, especially if you grew up in certain places where football is everything. And he's getting used to this attention, right? He's living in the world of have, and it's constantly coming at him. The outside world is constantly giving him all this positivity. Then he goes to real college. And I don't know if, you're, if anyone here follows college football. It's insane. These guys are like mini gods, right? So he's 23. I don't know when you graduate college, 19, 20, 20, 23, 24, right? For the first 24 years of his life, the level of attention, success, if you will, that comes at him from the outside world is massive. So he doesn't develop other parts of himself. He doesn't develop parts of himself um, that require him to deepen. And then he doesn't make it to the pros. And now he's lost. He's no career, no finances. The relationships never had either because everything has been about his. And now he's 25. He's got an entire life and a lot of talent. And he's addicted himself to the have that he doesn't have. He's no, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know who he is. And so many times in life when we achieve success in something, that success could very well be an Achilles heel to, to greater failure. You see this across the board. Early success or any success, if it's not done properly, could lead to an addiction to, and I don't mean that in, in, a, in, a, in its clinical term, I just mean it colloquially, to, to what I have to its impact. And as our eyes go up and down this board and we, we, we vacillate from be who I am to what I do, to what I have, it changes us. It changes the, the mechanisms we put into place to protect ourselves. So the more I live in the world of have, the more I have to create a mechanism to make sure I always get that attention. And when the attention starts to drop, I got to put my own mechanism in. And I got to draw my attention from other people, which leads to ego and arrogance and it's more insecurity, right? And more brokenness. 
But as I move my eyes from that side of the board of my impact, the outside world to what I do, it starts to shift. And a lot of this comes from the work from a man, as you've heard me quote before, named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. One of my favorite books I've ever read in my life is a book called Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, um, who in itself is uh, an incredible individual. I, don't, I mean, I don't know him personally. It's just his work. I've been following for a long time. And in his book, Flow, he, he, he speaks through two different concepts. And this is where I want to go today. I want to go from impact to action. Again, we may go back there, but I just want to start the process here. And he creates a distinction between two types of actions. One is called exotelic, and we've done this a little bit on the show. And one is called autotelic. Exotelic and autotelic. Exotelic are actions that we do for an other purpose, exterior, external, right? Autotelic are actions that we do for itself. Auto is self, an autobiography. And what Mihai Csikszentmihalyi said, now remember, what his research, what flow is, is research on how one gets into a state where you are at the optimal performance level. Flow means that you are fully immersed in the thing that you're doing. And what his thesis was, is that if you look at people that are doing things at a high level, the reason why they're doing things at a high level is because they're fully immersed in the thing that they're doing. So they stop thinking about stuff. They're not worried about eating. You don't see guys play football and while they're on the field, they're checking their phone. Or like in between plays, they're grabbing a snack. They're not even hungry. They're not even worried, right? They're on the field and they're so immersed in the activity of the game that the need to eat, the checking your life, that it, it's not like they have to hold themselves back. Their immersion creates a reality where their mind doesn't go back to the other parts that are we haven't eaten yet whatever what what should i do today and because everything is being put all attention is being put to the task at hand now if you remember we did this together how everyone gets a certain amount of attention right remember we did the window 110 to 125 bits of information per second and we choose how to spend that time at that 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 window and so when you multitask, you basically ensure that you don't have enough attention to do any task really meaningfully. So we stay mediocre. But when you put all of your energy into a, into a task, you now do that task deeply and meaningfully. This, by the way, is the secret of a lot of great people. They immerse themselves in things so that they see things and do things during the time that they're immersed in that thing better than other people. So it's immersion. It's not just immersion like I'm going to do it. Oh, I don't want to. I'm going to do it. Oh, I don't want to. It's immersion like I don't even know what else. What time is it? You lose your even your subconscious senses of time and of hunger and of other things that are coming out. You ever do this? You ever like get lost in a book or in, in a conversation and someone's right next to you talking? I, I think someone, I think a woman emailed this to me once where she was annoyed at her husband because he was in the middle of reading a book or doing or watching a game or something. And she was right there and he didn't notice her. Right. It happens. You're so immersed in something that you're not paying attention to the periphery. Now, when you live in this space, you feel differently. 
When you live in a space of depth and meaning, when you're immersed in activity, you feel more satisfied in that activity than when you're not. So if you are, that's why people play sports for, that's why people play video games. That's why you see people that are brilliant people that play video games, right? Which is, which is shocking on the surface, how people that are, 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 are I, I know people that are like PhDs and they play video games a lot. Why? It's because a video game allows you to immerse in something. And this is through a whole, I mean, we'll, hopefully we'll do a little more on flow. This is because it's always above our ability. So you have to push up. So you, you need all your attention and just getting lost in anything feels amazing. That's why people watch movies. They go, why do people voluntarily walk into a room, shut the lights off and watch a movie? They, they know this is like, oh, sorry. They know that the movie is in real. They know this is just a distraction from their own lives. It doesn't give them anything. It gives them a little bit of time to be immersed in something. And the, the drama and the plot and all of the details of that movie combined with the blocking out of the rest of life in the darkness the sitting back and getting lost in something, just getting lost in anything is so pleasurable because the activity itself becomes valuable because immersion starts to deepen our relationship to something and being deeply involved in anything feels better than being superficially involved in a lot of things. That's why a lot of people right now feel empty and it's more than ever, which is crazy because now you can like, you know, you can video chat anybody anywhere. In the old days, I guess if you were alone in your apartment, you were like actually alone in your apartment. I mean, old days, I mean like phones only. Today, if you're alone in your apartment, <laughs> you're one button from seeing everybody. And people have never felt more lonely. And the reason is because there's so much coming at us that we don't have the time to go deeply into anything. So my conversations aren't deep and my relationship, even my zoom calls aren't deep because as I'm on zoom, I get to pull up two screens and I get to multitask. I, I can't do any, I can't talk to my kids because someone's on some tech somewhere. So I'm constantly have all the stimuli coming into me, but nothing really satisfies me because it's, a, it's just not deep. And the reason why it's not deep is because the behavior isn't autotelic. And what that means is that an autotelic behavior is when I do something just for the sake of itself, not for the sake of anything else. An exotelic behavior is I do an action for an outside reason. I go to school and study for a grade. It means I don't really care about the material in front of me. I don't necessarily, it doesn't matter to me whether or not on the little periodic table, that's, you know, water. You see how long it's been since chemistry. 
It doesn't really matter to me like what happened in the war of 1812. What matters to me is that I get a grade on this thing because if I get this grade and I collect them with other grades, I get to go to the next level and then go to the next level and then go to that, right? All this thing is doing for me, this test is giving me something else outside this material to take me to where I want to go, which I don't even know where I want to go. I just know that's important because everyone tells me it's important. I don't really want to be doing this work, but I need to because this provides me a paycheck. And when I for the paycheck, I get to do things that I want to do, like live in a home and buy things that I want. I'm not saying that it has to be like negative. It's just reality. So I don't really care for the things that end up at my desk every day. And if someone would say to me, here's the check and don't do anything, that'd be even better, which is why for most workers in America, it's TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. They don't want to work. There's no... There's no value in the activity. The value is in the externality of the activity. It's in the paycheck that comes. It's in the, in the, the grade that I get. Let's take it more religiously. I don't want to actually do that ritual. I don't want to actually pray to God. I just want him to give me something. If I wake up in the morning and have it already, I would never go to him. Let's go even further. I don't actually want to talk to my spouse. I just want them to like me or do something for me, or I want everything to be civil in the house, right? When, when we engage in behaviors for its have, for what it gives me, even when I'm doing something, even if I, as I'm doing it, the activity itself has no value or has little value because all I'm looking for is what I'm getting from it. So if that activity becomes challenging, I'm out. Too challenging for its reward, I'm out. Too hard to do the work, I'm giving up. Too hard, I'm out. And then I'll, and then, or I bring my negativity to it. You go to some coffee room in a random office today and everyone's negative. They're upset that their boss gave them something else to do. Their relationships right now, we're like, it's hard because Two people are complex or there was a curveball thrown to the marriage and one spouse is like, I'm out, <laughs> just out. I don't know. I just can't. It's too much. I don't really want to do this, but like, I'm supposed to get stuff for it, but you know, I'm not even getting anything for it. Happens in parenting all the time, all the time. It's a kid that like doesn't fit in with the rest of them. And at some point he pushes the parents too far and the parents are like, I'm out. You can live here. Like I'll treat you like a child, but like I'm out. Yeah, whatever. I'm out. You'll figure it out. I'm out. Because I'm not really interested in the activity. I'm interested in the impact of the activity. And at some point, the risk reward doesn't go in the favor of the activity. Now, either I can leave the activity or I can just keep on going, but be negative about it or just not really care. These people all the time, religion all the time. They show up to pray. You take people that are observant people, they show up to pray and they're out. They're not really there. They don't really care. They bring like stuff to read. They come late. They leave early. Whatever. Like I have to be here, but like I'm not really interested. But like I don't want to like piss. I don't want to get. You know I don't want to like pass on an opportunity or get God upset. I don't know. We live lives where lots of our lives is basically giving up on the thing we're doing because we have to do it, and all we really want is the impact. So either we do it for something else 
or we do it not even sure something else is going to come. So we just, we don't put our all into it. And when you compound that, it's a lot of times just not being fully invested in something. And as a result, we don't have enough autotelic behaviors. We don't focus on what we do and we don't feel deeply connected to what we do. And this is the trap. And we'll talk about this more tomorrow. You see, we think that the feeling that we want in life, empowerment, happiness, excitement, passion, is going to come with when we get what we want. But that's the trap. It never does. When we move our eyes from what I have to what I'm doing, and we start to try to find the value in the action itself, in the conversation, in the material for the test, in the few minutes of prayer, in the work that I do. And we try to figure out how to find joy in the action, regardless of the impact. That's where the beginning of our power lies. Not to mention the impact gets better, but the power that we search for actually lies when we stop worrying about the impact of our actions and we start to look at our actions and ask ourselves, how do I deeply engage in that in which I'm doing from the most mundane to the most complex? We start to move our eyes from have to do. All right, we'll continue this. Think about this today. When you do something today, that is, thank you, Michael. When you do something today, try to move your eyes to the activity and try to like invest a little bit more energy and forget what it means. Just invest in it. How to get a little bit better at the things that are in front of you. How to get more deeply engaged in the most random things you're doing. You're washing dishes. You're talking to your spouse. You're, you're walking and thinking, you're sitting at your desk and you want to get through your day, you're reading, you're doing anything, try to just lose yourself more in the thing itself. All right, we'll continue this. Have an awesome day and with God's help, we can't wait to see you again tomorrow.